That'll wake you up, won't it? Yeah. I'm going to try to not put you back to sleep. So uh, we'll try to enjoy our time this morning. As Zach was asking earlier about uh, being ready for, for Christmas, I can tell you, strange for us, we are so ready. It's unbelievable. We, all of the gifts are bought. All of the presents are wrapped except for a few. Um, we're just we're just there. We, you know, we bought the groceries. We got the meat. That's all that matters. You know, uh, Becky started cooking, baking already. You know, she's one of the hardest working people you'll ever meet. Is my wife, and she pulls stuff off like this all the time. Man, I cannot believe we're as ready as we are. We're going to sit back for the rest of the week, just enjoy time with family, and hope you get to do the same thing. Today, we're looking at. Luke chapter 2, that very familiar account of the birth of Jesus, and we're focusing on the shepherds. They play a huge part in this story, and we're going to take a look at what's there. Luke chapter 2, you can turn there if you've got an opportunity. Verse 1 says this, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he is of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. So it's a great, great story that probably we've heard many, many times, but it's surprising when you look at it and think about this role that the shepherds play, especially when you think about their role in society. If you remember last week, uh, Pastor Kevin talked about sometimes people's misconceptions about the wise men and how, you know, sometimes we assume that there was three because there was the different types of gifts. And, but we don't know how many wise men there were and, and how people a lot of times assume that they went to the manger, but we know that that's not true, that they went to a house later. So there's these 
sort of misconceptions about the wise men. Well, I think if that's the case, it may be also that we've got some misconceptions about these shepherds. You know, I think some people, they have this image of these guys in their minds as these happy-go-lucky guys sitting around a campfire with a guitar singing some songs. Probably not the case. And people, other people go to the other extreme on this, where they, some scholars for a while there threw out the idea that the shepherds were sort of wild lawbreakers who trespass on other people's land and, you know, sort of run roughshod on other people so that they could find pasture for their sheep. But that viewpoint, as more recent scholarship has shown, isn't really based on solid evidence from the time. See, they weren't so much outlaws as they were outcasts. Um, but even there, there's sort of a mixture of, of seeing them for who they were. You know, some, they, they were viewed positively as far as their work ethic was concerned, as far as their care for the work they put into uh, taking care of the sheep and the, their concern for them, providing for them. That's why you have shepherds talked about positively in Scripture. Uh, that's why pastors are told to shepherd God's people. That's why Jesus was called the shepherd and guardian of our souls. But on the other hand, their work sometimes left them unable to be a part of what went on in more polite society. Because as they handled and lived with sheep, you know, they ended up smelling like sheep. <laughs> they ended up sort of grubby compared to the rest of the population. Because they worked with all these sheep, sometimes they came in contact with blood. That left them unclean, ceremonially unclean, until they could be ritually cleansed. And so other people didn't want to be around them. And because of the need for pasture, they would be on the move a lot. So they didn't end up worshiping a lot. Corporate worship, they didn't show up there. And so people sort of, you know, saw them on the fringe of society, outcasts. But it's to those outcasts that the angel goes to first to share with them the news of Jesus' birth. To shepherds. What a strange place if you're wanting to make an impression I mean, I would have wanted the angels to do something on widescreen in 4K, right? It would have been great if they'd shouted from the mountaintops and prayed through the streets of Jerusalem, yelling to the people, wake up, hear this. The angels should have gone to the temple. They should have told the religious leaders what was going on. They should have gone to the governor and let him know that something awesome was happening in Bethlehem. I mean, they should have gone to Herod. After all, he was the current king of Judea. They should have told him that God was doing something great in Bethlehem and the king of kings had been born. But no, the angels, instead of telling somebody important, announced Jesus' birth to a ragtag bunch of shepherds. It's not what we would have told him to do. It's not what I would have done. But it's what God wanted done, the angel coming to these shepherds, shepherds who were just going through the routine of life, doing their ordinary lives out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, because that's what they did every night, protecting their sheep. That's where the angel came. And isn't that the point of Jesus' birth? It's about God meeting us not on some high holy day, not on some high holy place, 
But on an ordinary day, in an ordinary place, the birth of this child is about God coming to us in our everyday lives. It's about God meeting us in our pain and loneliness. It's about God meeting us in our frustration and our anger. It's about God meeting us on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. It's about God meeting us on every single day of our lives. It's about God meeting us in our sin and changing us. I think that's why God sent the angel to the shepherd to let us know that this child was for all people, even the most ordinary. The shepherds in society were outcasts that God chose to impact. And he did it in a definitive way with this angel. And you can only imagine the reaction of the shepherds. I mean, they're out there doing what they've always done. Probably a pretty quiet evening. Some may even call it a silent night. (laughs) They're not expecting anything out of the ordinary. Can you imagine? You know, you know, you know what it's like you're out camping and there's not a whole lot of light, it's dark. A little bit different at night, isn't it? You can see all kinds of things. But then for them, boom, all of a sudden there's this angel standing there. You, we all know what it's like to be startled by somebody, right? You know, where they just they're just there, you didn't realize they were there, but then they're there. Well, think about this. They're startled and it's an angel. And we, as we look at the images of angels as they appear throughout the, like the Old Testament, they, they can appear as powerful beings. And this one didn't just show up. He showed up with the glory of God. We're told the glory of the Lord shone around them. There in that dark night, that light, the light of God's majesty shining around them, not just shining on them, shining around them, like there's no darkness around them any longer. There's no shadow. They are surrounded by light. It would have been so overpowering. Probably about then that you sort of get the idea that angels are not chubby little babies, right? (laughs) And we're told the shepherds were terribly frightened. Terribly frightened. I bet they were. Literally, in the Greek, it says, they feared a great fear. It's like Luke wants us to get the idea as he's writing this. You know, this, this was a, t- they were scared to death. Because he could have just said they feared, right? Or he could have just said they had a great fear. But no, he says they feared a great fear. He's using the same root word twice. The root word, we actually, we get our word phobia from. And the word great is the word mega. So if I could make up a word for just a second, they phobied a megaphobia, <laughs> scared to death, because this had started out as just another night watching the sheep that's now turned into their greatest nightmare. Their silent night has turned into a shocking night as they're surrounded by light. They're probably assuming that God's going to bring His wrath down on them and their lives are over. 
But then the angel speaks. Don't be afraid. For behold, look, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people, all the people, including the shepherds. Good news of great joy. There's that word mega again, by the way. I'm not bringing you mega fear. I'm bringing you mega joy. For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord for you. This great news is for you. This great news is for us. A Savior, a rescuer, someone who's going to rescue us from danger, the danger that we face because of our own sin. He's going to rescue us from that. That this, this rescuer is coming. He's the Christ. He's the long-awaited Messiah. He's the one that had been promised through the centuries to the people of God. He's coming. This anointed one has come. And this one is the Lord. They might not have caught it at that moment, but we know that that title is reminding us that that baby in that manger is a sovereign God. And this baby is born in the city of David, there's a royal connection. So here's the deal. These shepherds were supposed to go look for this royal Savior lying in a feed trough. That's shocking too, isn't it? It's shocking who the child is. It's shocking where this child is. I mean, you would have expected the Messiah to be found in a palace but here he is in a small, dirty animal stall where animals do all that they do, lying there in a muck-covered feed trough. You look at an animal feed trough lately? Was out in, yeah, just yesterday in our barn, knowing I'm preaching this, today, I looked at the trough where our horse, one of our horses eats. It's nasty. <laughs> More shocking than the shepherds having to go to this place. is the fact that lying there in that feed trough is our Savior. There He is. The reality is that the manger may have been approachable only by a lower-class shepherd who's used to dealing with the muck and the mire of animals. No one else would spend time in a place like that. There's our Savior. So, do you think there's a message there for us <laughs> about who He came for, about how far He is willing to go, about the price He was willing to pay for us, about how much He loves us? So the angel sends the shepherds to go look for this unusual sight. 
But before they go, there's another shocking moment because suddenly, that word suddenly is there. It's usually used regarding something that's supernatural. And here's the supernatural. There's a multitude, a large number of heavenly hosts. Suddenly, there's an army of angels there. It must have been an awesome sight. I mean, after all, think about how frightened they were of just the one. Now there's an army of angels there. We often make the assumption that they're singing. It doesn't really tell us that. They're, the words are, are written in, so in poetry, so that may be. That we don't know how they're saying it, but they're ascribing praise to God and peace to men with whom He's pleased. However they said it, whether they sang it or they shouted it, it must have been something to hear. There, on that ordinary night, ordinary shepherds encountering an extraordinary God. Those shepherds shocked that God broke into their lives that night. That's the way He works often, isn't it, though? He breaks into a life when it's least expected. And then we see the shepherds respond. I mean, after this powerful display of praise, they just had to see for themselves. And so they ran off to Bethlehem to experience what the angels had told them. So their first response is obedience. Let's go straight to Bethlehem. And we're told they they came in a hurry. That's a response of faith. Faith says, I'm going to do what God's Word tells me to do. No matter the cost, no matter the sacrifice, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it now. We don't need to sit around discussing whether or not to be obedient as, as Christ followers, do we? We don't need to discuss whether we need to. We don't need to reason about it. We don't need to pray about it. We need to do what God has told us to do. I, I'm surprised sometimes, I guess maybe I shouldn't be at this point of my life, but uh, in the ministry, one of the things that happens, I don't, probably every pastor has had this happen a, a bunch of times, people come into my office who sometimes they already have in their mind what they're going to do. They already know that it's the opposite of what Scripture tells them to do. And yet they want me to sort of put my stamp of approval. It's, yeah, okay, it's all right. Like, because they've got all their reasons. And their reasons sort of from a human sense make sense. I'm gonna, I just want you to know, I know what the Bible says, but, time, time out, we don't need to do that, do we? We don't need to have a bunch of reasons why we're going to be disobedient to God's Word. We just need to do what God's Word has told us to do. Faith is obedient. We don't reason it out. We don't look for an excuse. We just obey. They were told about the birth, and they went. They went in a hurry. That was their first response. And what they did next was to talk about their experience. Their second response was just to talk about it. They made known the statement, verse 17 tells us, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. That's sort of the natural thing to do when you're excited about something, right? To talk about it. 
I mean, it, this morning, if you're a Browns fan, stinking Browns. If you're a Browns fan, you're going to talk about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. These guys are excited. And, and so they talk about it. That's what they do. They tell the story about what happened to them. But maybe even more importantly, more specifically, they talk about Him. That He's the Savior. He's Christ the Lord. It's great news. They couldn't wait to share that. They couldn't wait to talk about it. They don't hesitate. Some commentators even call these guys the first evangelists. They share the truth about Jesus as they knew it with others. And that truth gripped people. Verse 18 says, all who heard it wondered at it. That doesn't mean those people necessarily came to faith themselves. People don't always turn when they first hear. But what the scriptures had, the shepherds had to tell them piqued their interest and caused them to want to know more. And so the shepherds talk about it. And then we see the third response from the shepherds, and that was praise. Verse 20 says, The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God. See, when God offers grace, the appropriate response is exuberant joy expressed toward Him. Now, we don't know exactly what they said, but it might have been something like, wow, God, look at who you are. Look at what you've done. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Look at what you've shown us. Thank you. God, we're nothing but you. God, you're great. You're awesome. God, thank you. And they probably went on and on. They returned glorifying and praising. They, they went on and on. They Praise God for who He was. Eventually, many throughout the whole world would celebrate the coming of this child, but for now, only the shepherds know what had happened in Bethlehem, and so they praise God. You know, reading that account, that story that we've all read so many times, it still fills us with wonder, doesn't it? We expect something miraculous. We expect the amazement to continue. We want the mystery of the moment to continue because if we're really honest with ourselves, we long for something amazing in our own lives. Our routines are so predictable. Our schedules are frantic and programmed, especially this time of year. Even our children, their lives are filled with activity. Our days are so packed with stuff. I wonder if we allow ourselves time to recognize the goodness and greatness of our God. And the challenge may be for us to find ways of celebrating Him in the ordinary moments of life. 
the shepherds' responses were obedience and sharing, telling, and praise. Those are the responses we can expect from really anyone who's met Jesus. The stories of when each of us met him, they're all different, aren't they? I mean, this morning we, we, we listened to Sarah's story. Your story's different than hers. If you've come to know, you've, you've met Jesus, your story's different from hers. Different place, different time. You may have come as an adult. You may have met him as a teenager. You may, I met him when I was seven years old, sitting on my dad's lap. Stories about how we all came to know him, it's, they're all different and awesome to hear. But our responses are all the same. Our responses are to be obedient, to tell, and to praise. And if something's missing there, if one aspect of that is missing, then there may be reason for us to wonder, have I really met Jesus? And it's good for us to evaluate to, to ask the question of ourselves, am I obedient to what God's told me in His Word? Hey, I know I, I fail. I, we, I get that. I, we all fail. We get that. But what we're looking for is the general direction of our lives. Is it toward Him? Or is there some area of my life where I'm going away, from, you know, that I'm coming and doing one thing at church, and I'm one thing when I'm sitting here or standing here singing whatever I'm doing or preaching a sermon, I'm one thing then, but I'm something else somewhere else. And nobody knows it except me. So I need to ask myself, Am I being obedient to what God's Word has told me to do? Because a person who has met Jesus will be obedient to His Word in the direction of their life. How's my obedience? And do I tell others what He's done for me? And I get that maybe... We're not the best at it. Maybe we struggle at how to do it or when to do it or who to share it with, but do we find ways, look for ways to speak to others about Him? Do I tell others what He's done for me? Maybe I do it directly. That's great. If you're open to that and you've got that desire to do that, you sh we all should do that. We all should tell others directly what God has done for us. We've got this other option of doing it indirectly by inviting them to church. And especially this time of year, we've talked about it's the easiest time to invite somebody they're the most open to come to church on Christmas Eve than any other Sunday or day of the year 
more than Easter. So am I, as a person who says they've met Jesus, wanting others to know about Him, and so I'm going to tell them directly what He's done for me, or if I'm not quite up for that, or maybe I just, in, in part of the process of me doing that, I'm going to say, you know what, why don't you come, come to church with me? And indirectly begin to impact their life for Him. Remember, 3 o'clock and 4.30 next Monday, okay? And do I praise Him for all I've seen and heard Him do? Do I take the time and do I have the desire to acknowledge the greatness of God? Those areas will be great areas for us to look at this Christmas season, to ask ourselves, is there something missing? If we're living in a way that's consistent with someone who's met the Savior, obedience and telling and praise should be there. So my challenge to you is to take an honest look at your life, to ask yourself, does my life look like someone who's met Him? And if you take an honest look, there may be some of us who take that honest look and, we, and, we, and we've got to say, no, it doesn't look like that. And maybe you come to the conclusion, I've never really met him. I've not come into relationship with him. And, and so you realize this is, a, this is a, again, a great time of year to do that, to come to that place where you've come to, into relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Where you say, you know what, I want to know him, this awesome God that, that I'm reading about, that I've heard about. I want to know him. I want him in my life. I want my sin forgiven. I want to know this one day when my life ends, I will spend eternity with him. And so I'm going to turn my life to him. And I'm going to let him do with my life what he wants to the rest of my life. You want to talk to somebody about that in just a minute? We're going to close the service There'll be pastors back here in room one, this room right back here, and uh, we'd be glad to talk to you about that. Some of us, though, we're going to be, as believers, as people who have, who have met Jesus, we're going to look at, as we take that honest look at our life, we're going to look at things and we're going to say, oh, what's missing? Oh, yeah, you know, I, I, you know I've been trying to be obedient, telling others, you know, that's, that's the area, or you know, I've not really spent the time acknowledging God's greatness. I've not, out of exuberant joy, expressed that to Him. And we're going to see areas that maybe we're weak in and we need to, to, to grow in. So we're going to turn to God. This is the time. This is the time. Do not put it off. Do not reason it away. Do not find some excuse. Turn to Him today. Ask for forgiveness and commit to being obedient in these areas. So that in the coming week, as we get ready to celebrate his birth, you'll be able to live like someone who's met him. You stand with me. We'll close your prayer.
Father in heaven, we thank you, God, for loving us, for providing a way for us to know you, for giving us that one opportunity as far as the direction. As Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to Father but by me. We know, God, he is our only hope. And so, Father, for many of us, we've come to that point as, as, as where we've asked him into our life and asked for forgiveness. And God, there's area, but there's areas of our lives where we're struggling in. And maybe it's what we've talked about today. These are areas, God, that we need strengthening in. Give us strength. Help us to be faithful. And for those, God, who maybe have never taken that step of faith and they realize they, they are in need before you, God, I pray that today they would take that step. If they need to talk to someone, God, help them to come talk to us. We'd, God, would kind of honor to be able to do that. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son. God, bless our week ahead. Help us to be faithful in all we do, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for being here. We'll look forward to seeing you next weekend. You're dismissed. <laughs>